It's so humbling and um, meaningful to see you all here this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for standing in worship and lifting your voices in song and exalting our Lord. And um, thank you to all who participated in Ministry Expo. We're going to have this a couple of weeks. You can just take some time to prayerfully consider um, finding your place at First Baptist North. And um, it's all the work of the Lord. And we're so grateful for that. We're humbled by his presence. We're thankful for James. Um, just kind of thinking to myself how grateful I am to the Lord for his faithfulness and the ministry of the word of God. I'm thankful for all of you, just for your patience, for your investment in James, not only here on Sunday mornings, but in your own times with the Lord, as families, also in your small groups. Um, and God has been faithful, and we're humbled by that. Out of the first chapter of James, you remember we did... The 14-day detox journey, many of you were part of that, and um, God was faithful in that ministry as well. We got a call two weeks ago from Pastor Aaron Wheaton down at Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church, this gracious servant of the Lord. Through one of our gals here in the congregation, she had shared that, that um, devotional time with uh, her pastor, and starting tomorrow morning, both campuses Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church, south and north. The entire congregation is going through the 14-day detox journey in the soul. That is an extension of your heart, your commitment, your ministry in the Word of God, and we give him praise. Please be in prayer for your brothers and sisters in Christ at Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church that God will be faithful to them as well. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 5. We are in the final stretch of this great letter. We begin really the final refrain of James' compelling letter to these dear believers, and they are dear. But this pastor, this, this individual who has written to us has taken us to the woodshed a few times, hasn't he? The woodshed of our spiritual lives and shown us the importance of an authentic faith, a faith that actually receives and obeys the word of God, not one that simply hears the truth and never changes. That's the idea of looking into a mirror. I see the reflection of my life in the mirror of God's word, and it challenges me. I'm at a crossroad at that moment, regardless of what it is. This is the power of the word. It's like a mirror. I see my life. I see my family. I see my attitudes. I, I, I see my affections clearly in a mirror, and then I can determine, listen, there's something off mark here. I need to allow God to make that change in my life rather than just hear it and then kind of, as James says, go on as if you didn't even hear that or you've forgotten it somehow. And he's been relentless in his pursuit of us in that regard. And it has been encouraging um, to hear your testimonies of how God has spoken to you through James. He's brought conviction. He's brought sorrow for sin and even joy in trial, what an enormous, immense blessing, and how you have seen his faithfulness on the other side. Often James has been stern and even rebuking in our, of our self-absorbed Christian ways, but always with a gentle reminder that God is faithful and merciful. This is our God. But now in this section, James chapter 5, I personally am a bit relieved. He changes his tone. He, he then lifts the veil of this kind of, um, this, this tone, this stern kind of corrective tone, and now he wants to encourage the hearts of those who are struggling. His heart softens. His words bring much needed balm to the weary soul that's kind of battered and barren from some of life's hardest trials. And let's face it, if you're here in this room this morning, 
You've either been through a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you just might be about to go into one. That is the human experience. And James, God bless James, he takes a turn and he offers to us a word of encouragement. Some of you here today, I know, are at the end of your hoping. You are all out of energy and you are plumb out of answers. Your body is sick and struggling. Your family is breaking and discouraged. It seems or you feel your career is faltering or maybe that your ears, your years are ebbing away and into the mix of this real and penetrating struggle. Once again, the Lord speaks. And James, starting in verse 7, this is what he says. He says, be patient the same way he began his great letter in James chapter 1. Be patient then, brothers, sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. (laughs) The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Be patient, James says, until the Lord's coming. He is at hand. Be patient. The Lord is at hand. At once, James lifts kind of our weary heads and calls us once again to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who is standing at the door of your trial. He is at the gate of your suffering. He's on the other side of the wall of your pain, of your disillusioned mind and soul, and he says, I am coming. I am at the door. And James says to these dear believers who are under the press and under the flames of persecution and in the most intense trial, you, you who are weary, you who've had a heavy burden, you who have laid awake all these long nights wondering, is God there? Wondering if he has somehow stopped listening to the cries of your heart. Wondering what are the parameters of his ultimate purpose. What is the outcome of his omniscience to you who are weary and heavy laden? James says, be patient. The Lord is coming. The judge is at the door. Take heart. Take courage. The Lord God, judge of the universe, is standing at the door of your circumstances and he's about to announce his presence. Now James offers a couple of very contemporary examples, contemporary in his time, of what it looks like to wait patiently. First of all, he says, consider the farmer. See how the farmer, this is verse 7, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. And how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. 
This is the farmer, you see, who his entire livelihood depends on all things that are basically outside of his control. And year after year, he faithfully tills the soil, prepares the seed, plants the field, and then waits. Because without rain, it all comes to naught. There's got to be rain because rain is what nourishes the soil. Rain is what ultimately gives life to the seed and brings about the crop. And so once the farmer's work is done, he waits. This is the example. Wait patiently. It will come. There is a purpose. Rainless days turn into weeks and even months, and the dry, brittle ground challenges the waiting farmer's faith, but he remains steadfast in his waiting until finally the heavens open and it begins to rain, not too soon, none too late, but all for good. This is God's way in our lives. We don't understand it. James has helped us see a little more clearly to bring a little bit more focus to these times in our lives. But we, like the waiting farmer, we need to remain steadfast in our confidence in him regardless of the circumstances. We wait for the heavens finally to give forth much needed supply that finally God will bring something to pass on the other end of our trial. And James says, be patient. There is a greater good. There is a glorious coming. And the Lord, the judge, is at the door. Now I know that some of you have been waiting a long time for rain. For relief. To somehow maybe even get just a glimpse of God's gracious purpose in the midst of your trial. I know that. More importantly, God knows that. And James seems to somehow, through the ages, speak down into our world and say, though mysterious, though unknown, God is purposeful, He is determined, and He is gracious. He is at work just like when He brings rain to the farmer's field. He will bring it to pass. Now, meanwhile, he says, while you're waiting... (laughs) This is verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Then verse 9. While you're waiting, don't grumble against each other or you will be judged. How easy it is. The tendency is to give in to cynicism, even rancor, especially towards those closest to you when you're hurting. When you're in the midst of this extended, relentless trial, it's easy to lash out and injure those you, you love because you're getting impatient with the Lord's timing purposes and plans. God has a provision for that. We, we need the people closest to us, around us. And we need those relationships fully intact. And James warns against the, the natural kind of human response, which is, which is to grumble. Leave my life alone kind of response. But the judge, the judge, the gracious, merciful judge of all the earth, James says, is standing at the door. Now there's a second example that he gives, and that is the example of the prophets. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, brothers, he says, all of you, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
and yet suffered. Now, I don't know, I brought my big study Bible this morning just to kind of illustrate a point, but if you do it the same with yours, this will not work too well on a digital device, but if you can just follow along with me, James invokes the witness of the prophets. Just take this, this, this kind of dreadful-looking, uh, enormous Bible and just go back to the, the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the Old Testament, which is at the end of the book of Malachi, and that's at least two and a half inches of witness of what it looks like to remain patient in the face of trial. That's a lot of testimony. Just as an example, James says, look at the prophets who because they stood firm in their faith, because They gave witness to their confidence in the Lord. They spoke for the Lord. They endured untold suffering. And God had an immense and glorious purpose. I think of the classic example of young Daniel. The gracious servant of the Lord. Brought into captivity. Finds himself vaulted to prominence. But never wavers in his witness for the Lord. He's But yet he suffers scorn and imprisonment, reviling, even an attempted execution, all because, as James would say, he spoke the Lord's name. And he lived it. He lived his life above the range of the world, like so many of you who are suffering these relentless trials, yet he kept his mind and heart pure and refused to compromise his standards and his faith. He lived it out, yet he got targeted. And that story in Daniel, I love it. If you go back to it, you don't have to necessarily go there, but just listen to the witness of the prophets. After Daniel's trial, because of his faithfulness, ultimately he gets thrown into the lion's den. And no one survives the lion's den. No one. Except this prophet, because God rescued him. Daniel responds to the king as the king shouts down into the pit, Daniel, (laughs) has God saved you? Daniel answers, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent in his sight. king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, listen to this. This is the witness of the prophets. Listen. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. His patience in trial. He was trusting in the Lord. The king's command The men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. That really happened. You don't see that on the VeggieTales version. That really happened. Now listen to the witness of this pagan king because of Daniel's trial. 
King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language. He sends out a letter to the entire planet. Do you have any idea what God is capable and even willing to do as a result of your faithfulness in trial? Do you realize that the witness of your life as a result of your trial could make its way around the known world? He sends out a letter to the whole planet and gives witness to the faithfulness and power of Almighty God. Now that's remarkable. That's why James is saying, if you want an example, just, just look at the prophets. Just take Daniel, for example. Here, here's what the king wrote, the pagan king He is the living God and He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. That sounds like the New Testament. He rescues and He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. This is a pagan king. And the only way he got that is from Daniel's life. The witness of his patience in the midst of trial you don't think God had a plan? Oh, yes, he did. And his plan was for the whole earth through Daniel's trial. And then James says, well, wait a minute, what about Job? We all know Job, if you want to go back to James, or I don't know, maybe you never left there. He says, what about, what about Job? Don't you remember Job? <laughs> Job lost everything. Blessed Job, his home. He lost his business. He lost his family. He lost his children. He lost his grandchildren and all of his wealth, his identity, even his physical frame, his body and his health. Everything was gone as this man suffered. And he lost the confidence of those around him. Even his friends turned against him, questioning, are you ready for this? His integrity. That was not on trial before God and Satan in that great mysterious kind of uh, centerpiece scene in the heavens where, where God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? But you see, down here on earth, of course, it was, <laughs> it was all fair game. There must be something wrong with Job's life, surely, or he would not be experiencing this. But yet, early on, Daniel declares... Shall I accept good from the Lord and not adversity? Oh, that's a, great, that's a great moment for Job. But it was early. It was early. As, as, as the weeks and months and years drug on this relentless suffering, mysterious, Job began to shake. He went, he went knee, weak in the knees. He, he began to question God's purpose and his plan. And God, in his sovereign goodness, had to remind Job that he is in control. That his purposes are true. They are unthwarted. And the scripture says, listen to this, that Job repented in dust and ashes. And the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. And this is the witness. This is the witness of Job 
the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. How about that? And then it says, after Job prayed for his friends. So Job had a transformation. At the other end of his trial, all of a sudden now, Job is praying for his friends. Only good can come of that. See that? See what God does? Do you think God didn't have a plan? Oh, yes, he did. He had a plan. Be patient, says James. Be patient, brothers. Be patient, sisters, for the coming of the Lord because he is at hand. He is at work. His purposes are not thwarted and his plan has not been compromised. And then there's a little bit of kind of insight for all of us at the end of this exhortation. At the end of verse 11 in James chapter 5, this is what James says. Remember, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is his way. Dr. Vance Habner used to say, we are all shipwrecked on God and stranded on omnipotence. I like that. And then a penetrating thought as he closes this section. James says, above all, above all things, my brothers, my sisters, keep your focus. Keep your life simple before the Lord. Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth. Do not gamble with your experience, but rather let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And with Paul of old, we join this great exclamation and we say with him and we say with Daniel and we say with Job and we say with others who are suffering in his name, who are in their 12th week or their 14th month or their 10th year of a relentless trial, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has a purpose. He will finally bring it to pass. It will impact the entire world. It will bring about a witness of the faithfulness, mercy, and compassion of God in Christ through your life. Be patient for the coming of the Lord. He is at hand. Now, there's probably someone out there who's saying, great sermon, Pastor, but why does the Lord have to use my life and my trial to bring about his purpose in the world? I don't know. You have no idea 
how much I wish I knew the answer to that question. But I don't know. But what I do know, I didn't say I understand, but I know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't know why Jenny Wilson, this once vibrant proclaimer of Christ's love to everyone she met, sits in a nursing home today without a moment of lucidity. I don't understand that. But I know that God works all things together for good to them who love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't know why God is allowing our brothers and sisters in Christ to suffer such untold horrors and brutality for his name in these dark and perilous places on the planet. I don't understand that. But we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And James says to us, James says to me, James says to the acres, James says to you, James says to Jenny's family, James says to these brothers and sisters in Christ across the planet, be patient, be patient for the coming of the Lord. The righteous, gracious, compassionate, merciful judge of all the earth is at the door. He's at the door of your trial. He's at the door of your circumstance. He's at the door of your suffering. He's at the door of your uncertainty. And he will accomplish his purpose through you. It's his way. In the meantime, we hold each other up we don't grumble <laughs> against each other. But we bear one another's burdens. We go to our needs in fervent intercessory prayer, which is where we'll go next week. We sing songs of praise. We lift up his name. And we wait. We wait. We wait for the rain. We wait for the rain. He is There was a young person, there's an individual, there's a woman, there's a couple, there's a family, there's somebody here this morning that is under the burden of life's relentless trial, but you don't have a clue what we're talking about because you've never opened your life and your heart to the love and goodness of God through Jesus Christ. You can't even begin to know what God has for you until you say yes to his son and receive him into your life. Let him change your life. Let him transform your mind and heart and give you a new experience by just saying, yes, I need you in my life. I give you my life and I put my trust in you, Jesus. We want to invite you to that person today. We've invited you to see the myriad of ministries that God has been faithful to provide and we're thankful. But ultimately, the invitation is not to us. It's not to a table. It's not to a ministry or a building. It's to a person. We invite you 
to a person and his name is Jesus Christ and he is the only answer to your need today. If you'll trust him. Put your trust in him. And everything will change. Everything. You can trust him. Gracious God, I pray on behalf of everyone here, especially that one who is wrestling with whether or not they even know you because they've never put their trust or confidence in Jesus Christ. Lord God, draw them to you, relentless. Be relentless in your pursuit of them. Cause them to bow today. Like Job, repent in dust and ashes and say, Lord, I need you. I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior. For the one who is discouraged and down and struggling to just get through today, be gracious, God. Help us to be more gracious. We ask it for the cause of your name around the world. Amen. Just stand and sing together.